This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life. Because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with David Abdallah. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing alright, how about yourself? Doing well. I have known you since 2015. Uh, you were a student of mine, at, or I student taught, and yeah, we we connected really well, and uh, we've been able to to stay in contact a little bit here and there. Well, yeah, I was so, like your first teaching experience. I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you were the fr- you were part of the first class too, I believe that I had. So, yeah, a while back ago. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. So you're you're not from Grand Rapids originally. You were born in Cairo, Egypt. Your your parents were refugees from South Sudan and they were able to then move to the States, uh, specifically Grand Rapids where you moved to. Talk about what it was like for you to grow up in Grand Rapids. So, yeah, I moved here when I was about four, yeah. So, coming to Grand Rapids, I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew America from what I saw on TV, and that's kind of what I expected. And at that time, there was a lot of, you know, portrayals of America as being this amazing, grandiose land, you know what I'm saying, flowing of milk and honey, this, that, and the other. <laughs> and so, that's what I thought it was going to be. That's reality in America for some people, but that's not necessarily reality for everyone. And that yeah. wasn't our reality as refugees um, coming here to America and trying to figure it out and make it through. So I grew up um, in Grand Rapids kind of in two different kind of areas. So I grew up in Forest Hills, and I also grew up in, like down um, on Burton and Division in Burton Heights area. I went yeah. to school around there. So I... I kind of was given two very different, distinct views of what I thought America was. So it was really, it was really hard for me to adapt in those different places because I thought America was one uniform thing. But you come here and it's there's it's a real melting pot. There's so much culture and so many different kinds of people and places. So yeah, yeah. explain to those who aren't familiar with Grand Rapids uh, what the difference of Burton Heights and forest hills is like yeah so like forest hills is it's like a more affluent area definitely the more affluent people that live in kent county live in areas like forest hills i lived there for the second part of my schooling so i moved from burton heights which is more of an inner city area to forest hills which is more suburban um yeah yeah just kind of that whole environment when it comes to music, you were living in a pretty, I don't know if, it, if strict is the right word, but uh, non-secular music was not allowed. And so Christian music, specifically for you, what was what was allowed. And talk about what that was like growing up as a kid to being a part of that music. For me... My father is a pastor, and he taught at a Bible institute when we were back in Egypt, even. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah, Christianity is a big part of my life, and it was, and it still is, even back when mm-hmm. I was 
however old. So when I was with my parents, I never had access to any other music besides what they played for me. And they always played Christian music. And it was always, it was usually African Christian music. But um, as we started to kind of intermingle and go to churches here in the city of Grand Rapids and kind of like learn about American culture, we kind of got into, you know, American worship music and praise music and such things such as that matter. Um, but I didn't really start listening to non-secular music like until maybe sixth or seventh grade, I want to say. It was a yeah. while before I even even thought about listening to non-secular music. Like I knew all the songs like when I was when I was younger, so growing up, so I was in second grade in 2008 and the Crank Dat came out. And our teachers even knew that song. So there were songs that, like, you just kind of had to know, you know, growing yeah. up. Like, you couldn't miss them even if you wanted to. But at the same time, it was like, I feel like I missed out on such a big moment in of my music development and growth because I didn't start listening to music until I was a preteen. Like, right. Music that I wanted to listen to or form my own music taste until I was 11 or 12. Yeah. So it was like, you might have experienced some songs that were on TV or like a TV commercial or, you know, in a, in a, a store or whatever, wherever. Yeah. So like, even like the most, the most frequent place I'd learn music was like the bus. Cause the bus drivers would always play like here in Grand Rapids, there's like one Oh four five and one Oh five three. And those are like the pop channels or like the rap uh-huh. channels. And I learned some songs from here and from that. And then back way back, um, when the iPod like first came out, the Nano, yeah, uh, my cousin, my cousin let me listen to the songs that she loaded onto her Nano, and <laughs> and I like took her Nano and didn't give it back to her for like a month because I was just so just mesmerized that I could just listen to music on this little little square, right? So, yeah, that's awesome. You you mentioned that. You know, you were listening to Christian music that was from African artists. Mm-hmm. Explain what that was like. Like, how how was that different from the praise and worship music that you were experiencing here in the states? So, praise and worship music in Africa, at least the part of Africa I'm from, which is Eastern Africa. Um, yeah. a lot of times, praise music is like around 115 or 120 BPM and it's kind of like it's like yeah so it's like one and then it's like one three five chord progressions but here in America I don't think you praise music necessarily fits like for us one beat works for all of the music that we sing all of the different songs that we sing and a majority of them are call and response as well um, in comparison to how it's like verse, chorus, verse, yeah, reframe, yeah. how it is here, it's it's usually just call and response, and it's usually in the key of G or the key of C or key of F, and it'll be one, three, five chord progressions. And I mean, it sounds pretty simple, but at the same time, the individual players who play are given freedom within those very simple chord progressions. So that allows us to, you know, do what we do and make the music sound good, I guess. Would it be fair to say that it has like a, 
kind of the same vibe as like uh, jazz musicians to be able to yeah so yeah some, some free reign how do they wanted to flow with uh, exactly with like exactly like that actually yeah it's like it's like here are the chords and now you can figure out what you want to play within these chord progressions and yeah that's nice that's actually a very good very good correlation (laughs) (laughs) nice so the next kind of phase for you you start to be a part of band and you got into the grand rapids symphony uh, mosaic program yeah is that when you picked up the clarinet uh, it was like the the year before I picked up the clarinet. So I started right. playing clarinet in sixth grade, and then the summer after sixth grade, going into seventh grade, was when I auditioned to find out if I would make it in for seventh grade year. Okay. And so yeah, so through that program, I was given the opportunity to get free private lessons from a Grand Rapids Symphony musician, and so because of that, my musicianship grew kind of exponentially in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And I was able to learn so much at such a young age and grow, yeah, and just grow in music. That's so cool. Looking back now, like, what does that program mean to you? That program honestly means the world to me. I was in that program from 7th grade until 12th grade. I was one of the very few people that was in that, like, me and this other girl that I joined with, we were the very few people that was in that program that stayed for a whole six years because that's like kind of the maximum because they only take, they accept seven through 12. So like uh-huh. I started and I, I finished all the way through and like my entire music career of me playing, I've been in that program as well, pretty much. So that program was honestly invaluable because I, I learned so much about music and so much about how to even how to compose music as well um, yeah there's there's an aspect of that program so the symphony runs this sh- uh, show in February called Symphony with Soul and they invite sad black performers to come and perform and there's like a gala and we are also given the opportunity to perform at DeVos so at DeVos Performance Hall we get to we get to so we come together months in advance and we'd start crafting a piece that we'd want to make. Me and like the whole group of Mosaic scholars. And we were led by um, this lady named Jill and she was more than helpful and we were given symphony musicians. We were given the opportunity and the resources to perform and create a piece of music that we perform at DeVos mm-hmm. Performance Hall in front of a packed out audience. And there was one year, my seventh grade year, where I actually conducted the ensemble for a portion of our piece. And David Lockington, who was the former director of the Grand Rapids Symphony, who was the director of the symphony at that point, he was in the ensemble, and I was conducting him as wow. a seventh grader. Wow. And the boss hall behind me is completely packed. Yeah. So, it was those kind of experiences helped me a lot. Just being in front of people and being comfortable performing in front of people or speaking in front of people like in high school and in college as well, just throughout my schooling, like it was never hard for me to get up in front of a group of people because I know I've gotten up in front of a group, a packed out DeVos hall and 
where there's like, I don't know, 1,200 people and just did whatever I needed to do and gave them a speech or sang. Yeah. Yeah, I just, that experience is very invaluable. That's so cool, man. What has it been like uh, post high school then for you in terms of not just the program, but in terms of your playing as a musician? What's that been like for you? So for me, I still play. So I play keys at church, and yeah. I've I've been playing keys at church, and I will continue to do so probably throughout my college. I did not play clarinet this year, um, even oh, though okay. I've, I've really wanted to. And music is really my passion. Like I spend so much time pouring into music, and that's kind of the thing I had a natural aptitude towards from the beginning. So it's something I do want to pick up probably next year, but. Being a nursing student, especially at Calvin, yeah, it can, it can be very tough with all those science courses. Too. Oh yeah, organic chemistry, dude. I, I've I've just heard horror stories. It's it's bad. It's all bad. It's, it's, it's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad. organic chemistry is the worst. I had a class one time where we shared a uh, the building uh, with an you know organic chem. And I cannot tell you how many conversations I overheard of just frustration and people being upset. And oh yeah, because you're failing. just fighting for your life every day. Like yeah. every day you come in that classroom, like you don't know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you had this, uh, you know, once in a lifetime kind of experience uh, in seventh grade where you finally listened to a non secular album. Yeah, it was. What was, what was that? Twenty fourteen Forest Hills Drive by J Cole. A lot of people say it's his best album. I disagree, but for me, it's my <laughs> it's my personal favorite by him. It was he dropped it at a time where I was I was just kind of discovering yourself. You know, it's like seventh grade. You're thirteen. You're not necessarily a child anymore, but you're not necessarily a teenager quite yet. Yeah. So you're just kind of in this limbo and. I don't know, mental health issues sometimes happen. And I feel like the reason that that album, I listened to that album first and it related to me so heavily is just because the point in which he was at in life, that he was speaking about what he was going through in that album was also the point that I was at. And it was like having someone to walk through life with because he would talk about his sneakers being dirty and wishing he had some new sneakers. And I had the same problem. You know, yeah. like, I wish I had some new shoes, but, like, I can't. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kind of stuck. Yeah. And, like, growing up in an uh, area, in an affluent area, there's, you have a lot of humbling moments. Because whatever you may have, someone has better than you. Right. Like, that's just yeah. kind of, that's a given. So, there's a song on there. It's called Love Yours. He talks about that kind of whole issue of like people wanting more in materialism. And it's yeah. like, he says, there's always going to be a bigger crib somewhere, but hear me, as long as there's the people in there love you dearly, it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It helped me gain a lot of perspective at a young age and helped me put things in perspective that I could understand them because it was the first time I was really feeling negative emotions of that kind and not really knowing what to do with them. 
but feeling like I wasn't alone. Was, yeah. That's what that album did for me, to be completely honest. That's so cool, man. I think that's like one of the beautiful things about music is that it can, at least for me, when you experience uh, a lyric that just speaks to exactly what you're thinking, but you just, you couldn't find the words to say to it, you know? Exactly. It's, it's the depth of emotion that, that some songs or some artists are able to capture to make you feel that almost like you're feeling that emotion or that moment all over again sometimes if yeah. it's really that deep. And that depth of emotion, I feel like that's what just makes music so beautiful. You know, with J. Cole speaks to, I think, some, you know, the issues of class and race in that album and kind of like what you were talking about with the shoes even. And like for you, you know, you like that connection of you were <laughs> as a seventh grader recognizing how class differences uh, in your own life, you know, well, yeah, it was it was really kind of drastic the switch I made. So the first, yeah, all right, yeah. Good. So from from preschool to fourth grade, I was in an inner city school, and that's that was my view of America and my view of American schooling system and the education system because that's all I knew. And then right. when I moved, it was like this is like a whole nother America, and at the same time, like. They don't even know that they're living in this, I guess, luxury, you could say. It's not even luxury. Like, really, like, it's not even luxury in the truest and its most pure form. But it's like, in comparison to where I just was, like, you guys are living lavish, you know? Yeah. What was that like to jump from that? It was really hard at first. Yeah, I bet. At first, so where I came from, it was a very, it was a very eat or be eaten mentality. I was bullied a lot. I'm African, so like my complexion is darker. So I was bullied for having a darker complexion than people who are already black. So it was like, it was like I experienced bullying. People made fun of me for my skin color, and they were also the same skin color. And people who weren't my skin color also made fun of me for my skin color. So there was a lot of similarities in that. Like, kids are going to be kids, and kids are going to act the same way. But the amount of the resources and also I think that was the first time I ever went to a classroom and like the amount of kids that had like everyone had books everyone had books who needed books and like it was never a stretch to find books I remember sometimes in third or fourth grade like they would try to find books and it would take them like two weeks to get kids books and like books were never an issue to find and like resources were just never an issue. It seemed like everything that you need to be successful was already there in front of you. And like you didn't have these extra hurdles or extra hoops to jump through. And that's probably the biggest difference in my eyes. Do you feel like things would be different in your life if you hadn't made the move to Yeah. Work? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I don't think not necessarily better or worse, but just different. Yeah. Um, for one, I wouldn't know what that what that world is like. You know what I'm saying? Like growing up very isolated, and like Grand Rapids is like kind of this kind of gen like not gentrified, sorry, redlined. It's like that. Seeing that, but that didn't bother me as much when I was at that age. It bothers me more now because I understand all of the implications 
that come with things like this. When yeah. I was at that age, I was just the only thing I thought was, okay, these people are living like this because of this circumstance, and these people are living like this because of this circumstance. And obviously, there's more to it, and it's a lot less black and white than I'm making it seem now. So there's a lot of things that'd be different, but I don't necessarily think that it would be better or worse. A lot of times when people when people try to compare two places, um, especially with ec- when economic disparity is a factor, they might think that like because a place is less affluent than another place, that it's better. Yeah, I had just as much fun at the inner city school as I did in Forest Hills. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me necessarily where I am. Yeah, no, I, I totally get like as a kid. Yeah, yeah. you know your attitude is not gonna. Be I would have I would have never met you if yeah no, yeah would have been crazy didn't even think of that think <laughs> I would have never met you we probably we wouldn't even be sitting here today probably if yeah. I hadn't switched schools so there are a lot of positives yeah um, the the opportunities that you were given you know mm-hmm. because of that move is what stands yeah. out to me you know you mentioned the the symphony program and just like the ability to have books readily available you know yeah it's it's something that people don't realize like it's it's such a simple thing like that like having books like that's so important but people don't even realize it because it's like oh yeah your school's supposed to have books yeah but like not every school has access to that coming from a place where i knew that and that was a reality like i was able to i kind of had the whole picture at a young age you kind of have this uh, kind of slight turn in middle school where you're, you're continuing to open up to new music, but mm-hmm. you get into some alternative. Yeah. And so artists like Cage the Elephant and Arctic Mon- Monkeys are uh, really appealing to you. How? What was it about alternative music that was appealing to you at that time so for me i was at a place back then everyone just listened to rap music it seemed like rap music was the only thing people listened to and i met my friend nate and he was really big into like a lot of different kind of weird music i think i was like yeah nate kennedy yeah 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 i had him in class yep so nate was the reason i knew so much alternative music He's always been like that. He's always been on like kind of like the fringe stuff that like not many people are are really hip to right now, but maybe they'll be hip to in like a month or two or like three yeah. months. And that's always been him. Like he's always hip to new music and he always sends me stuff. But I met him and then he showed me Cage the Elephant because Melophobia had just released yeah. at that point. And obviously that's an amazing album. Yeah. Uh, Spiderhead's on there, come a little closer's on there, cigarette daydreams, cigarette daydreams song. Man. Yeah, everyone's oh, yeah. favorite song is on there. But yeah, Cage the Elephant was was doing it at that time. Like they were they were big. They I'm pretty sure they won a Grammy off that album. So Cage was big for that reason. And then Arctic Monkeys, I'm not quite sure how I got into them, but it was right around the same time. And I don't I don't think Nate put me on, but someone Someone definitely put me on. A lot of times when I when I listen to alternative music, it's what I get put on to 
or what I hear off the FIFA soundtrack. Have you ever played FIFA? Yeah, man. Yeah, okay, so... You're a Chelsea fan, right? I was a DDR drug bar fan, not necessarily a Chelsea fan. Oh, if okay. anything, if anything, I'm an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. I know, it's insane. My my Chelsea friends would just be so infuriated with you right now. Oh, think think about it like this, okay? I was African, and when I was playing FIFA 09 back in the day, Chelsea was untouchable. That was a team yeah. to use. Drugbo was Drugbo was oh doing gosh. that. Drugbo like, was amazing. Oh my god, everyone loves Drugbo. Like you can't not oh like him. Gosh. And like that's who I wanted to be. That was like my soccer role model. So of course yeah. I was a Chelsea fan, but like. <laughs> I was only a Chelsea fan because they had Didier Drogba, John Obi Mikel, Solomon Kalou, Michael Essien, yeah. a lot. You know what I'm saying? But as soon as Drogba left, it was I left. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was always yeah. So like from the beginning, I was like an Arsenal fan because mm-hmm. I used to watch Thierry Henry with my dad when I was Dude. really young. Henry, oh, man. Man. I I was very lucky to catch like right when my memory started forming. It's like that season where they just went insane. Yeah. <laughs> so I was lucky enough to have those memories. But that's cool. Yeah, that's cool, man. FIFA, the FIFA soundtrack has a lot of good stuff on it as well. So yeah, totally. I caught a lot of alternative and a lot of music from Europe just from the FIFA soundtrack. And then, yeah, my, my love for alternative just kind of grew from there. I'm just out of curiosity because I love alternative. Uh, what other, you know, artists or songs were... Oh, what's hot right now? Let me let me see what I'm messing with right now. Tame Impala is just on repeat all the time. Dude. He just does not, like, all of his music is good, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I can't, a lot of people don't like his newest album, but I'm, yeah. I'm a fan. Lost in Yesterday has been on repeat for me off that one. Okay. Um, a lot of, I discovered MGMT very recently. Oh, uh, <laughs> but not like discovered, but like I never listened to Oracular Spectacular, so I did that for the first time. Okay. Um, does Alt J count? Yeah, Alt J would count. Okay, yeah. yeah, Alt J, and then who else is in here? Foster the People. Yeah. Are you what you want to be? That's probably my favorite song by them. Oh wow. Yeah, and that's then, cool. Man. Yeah, um, stuff like that. I like that kind yeah. of stuff. Um, have you ever heard Dreaming by Small Pools? Yes. <sighs> <laughs> more heat. Just more and more heat. So, yeah, you you know how I be. Yeah. <laughs> In high school, you're still, you know, you're still listening to an alternative, but you you take this really kind of, it, it makes sense when you when you look at it, because of your connections with listening to hip hop already and then alternative music, you start listening to more of the alternative hip hop artists. Yeah. Like Tyler the Creator, for example, uh, Frank Ocean. How did that come about? So I'll tell you like this when I was in like eighth grade, I want to say Channel Orange dropped and Forrest Gump was like super popular. Maybe yeah. my timeline is wrong, but Channel Orange dropped like 2013, yeah. It sounds right. Yeah. So that was, yeah, my eighth, no, seventh, seventh grade year. So seventh or eighth grade, I listened to Channel Orange and I didn't even like it. Um, no? No, because I, 
everyone was talking about Frank Ocean, and I thought he was a rapper. So when I listened to the album, I was expecting a rap album, and I didn't hear one. So yeah. for me, I was like, oh, this is... Eh. Yeah. From there, I went through... Sophomore and junior year of high school, I kind of went through a lot of challenges. My family struggled a little bit. I personally struggled. I was dealing with a little bit with depression and a little... I'm a very, like, self-critical person. Yeah. And so that... Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm my biggest critic, but, like, I'm also my biggest downfall a lot of times. So that double-edged sword of who I am, I guess, really, really didn't help my mental health at that point. And Tyler, the creator in Frank Ocean, Earl Sweatshirt, Earl Sweatshirt especially, oh my goodness. Earl Sweatshirt's first two projects, first three projects actually, were were very big for me and my development. Doris, first of all, I mean, I could run Doris front to back. I don't think there's a skip on there for me, honestly. Yeah. And then Tyler with Wolf. Um, I didn't like Cherry Bomb when I first heard it, but now I think Cherry Bomb's his best album. I mean, Flower Boy dropped. I didn't like Flower Boy when I first heard it. There's a lot. Like, Tyler, I didn't I didn't really like Tyler, Frank, or Earl, or any of those kind of alternative hip-hop people when I first heard it. But then as, as I kind of matured and, like, grew in my music taste, you get to a point where, like, you're listening to mainstream rappers and it's like everyone sounds the same because everyone's trying to make as much money as possible. Yeah. And no one really cares about artistry as much. And people like Frank, Frank drops albums every blue moon. Right, yeah. And same thing with Earl. Um, kind of the same thing with Tyler a little bit. Not really, but a little bit. Like, he's very, he doesn't, he doesn't rush anything and you don't ever get any rushed music from him. And, like, yeah. artists like that who are really putting time and effort and energy into their music and you would hear it when you get the finished product in comparison to someone who was just making something so they could get a radio hit make the most money as possible yeah. and that really that really drew me in and also they spoke about they spoke about their lives like they were on the outside looking in a lot of times you know in like social situations and such and I felt that way a lot of times um, growing up just because I didn't really think I belonged anywhere because like yeah I might to to someone who's who's white they could think I'm, you know, just another black person. But the yeah. black people, I'm African. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And trying to find my space to where I fit in, because I don't really fit in with the black people. I don't fit in with the white people. And obviously, there's there's a line in Chum, um, which is like the most popular song off Earl's, where he's like, too white for the black kids and too white at Earth. No, too, yeah, too black for the white kids and too white for the blacks from monoroll to crack and locks about those bicycle racks. And mm. like that that perfectly encapsulated how I felt. Yeah. So that album was that album was very big for me. That that that's one of probably my top ten. Do you feel like with guys like Frank and Tyler and, and Earl even that you mentioned that they they're not so concerned with, you, you mentioned, you know, they're not concerned with creating like these hits and so that they have the, 
this ability to be more authentic? Well, yeah. So people like Frank, Tyler, Earl, a lot of the reason why their music takes so long, and I was listening to this in a Danny Brown interview um, the other day. I don't remember which one. Uh-huh. But a lot of the reason why their music takes so long is they sit with their music. And so what happens is you'll have an artist who makes a song to drop maybe in 10 months in advance. But throughout this entire span of time, they're listening to the song that whole period. So they know if the song's actually good or not. Because mm-hmm. just based off the energy or the hype of a song, like you could make a song and it might sound fire, but when you put it out, if it doesn't have replay value more than two weeks, then you're not going to, like, it doesn't mean anything to anyone. You know what I'm saying? That's just another forgotten yeah. song on a forgotten album. But when you really, when artists like Tyler and Frank and Earl really take time, I feel like the product, the finished product that we get is worth it more often than not. You know, it's interesting too is, so Drake has had a a time of where he was a favorite of yours. And Mm -hmm. when you were talking about how like Tyler, Frank and Earl will sit with their music, you've got someone like Drake who constantly pumps out music. Mm -hmm. And yet, he is constantly getting the streams, constantly charting on uh, the charts. What it like? Is Drake just an anomaly? I don't think Drake's an anomaly. Drake, luckily enough for him, he's been. He was. He was luckily enough when he started rapping. Like he came out with Wayne and like yeah. Nicki Minaj, and like he was surrounded by greatness when he started rapping. So there was kind of no reason for him to not be great. Like he had he had Jay Z features when yeah. on Thank You, you know what I'm saying? So right. like, and that was ten, eleven years ago. Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, Drake could probably call Jay Z on the phone right now and ask for a feature. He probably didn't even have his number back then. So for Drake, I think what happens is one his one he was blast from the very beginning to he's extremely versatile his versatility is just knows no bounds right to what do you attribute that to his ability to ghost right or his ability to hire people that ghost right because obviously he's not writing all the puppets right like you know i'm saying like you could say like oh yeah drake's doing numbers left and right but like when you look at like rap numbers I don't necessarily think Drake's rap songs are the ones that are doing it for him. I feel like, even though everyone knows Drake, and like everyone knows his music and mm-hmm. all of that, he has a he also has a certain way of being able to relate. Like Drake's music is extremely relatable, and I don't think any of us that listen to Drake's music or just cat like fans like actually relate to the kind of lifestyle that he lives. But even Drake himself has an ability to, as I was saying earlier, capture a depth of emotion in a way that you hear on, I don't know, Crew Love or um, Feel No Ways or um, Marvin's Room, which everyone just plays left, right, and center. (laughs) Um, Like Marvin's Room, like 
the emotion on there, like, it's like, whoa, this is the same guy that was just rapping on free smoke and worse behavior and, you know what I'm saying, all that yeah. stuff. And his, I don't know, his versatility, I think, is his biggest, his biggest help. Yeah, um, it's like a huge asset for him. Oh, yeah, because he can do anything. Right. He, he's got Spanish hits. He's got dance hall hits. He's got pop hits. Like right, he yeah. makes songs. He makes songs with Gucci Mane and Rihanna. Who else does that? Yeah, like he he gave Gucci Mane his first hit after he got out of jail. But he's also in here making work and take care and all those other songs with Rihanna that do numbers on the pop hits, and you hear your mom playing on the radio every right. day. You know, <laughs> so his his versatility knows no bounds, and that's why he's Drake. So, also within high school, just drop names within hip hop and rap that you were uh, gelling with. You know, Kendrick Lamar, Childish Gambino. I mean, I, I both of those artists, I, I just huge fans of personally. What what is it for you as to why you've been listening to to those artists? Um. So Kendrick. His ability, I don't know what it is with him. His flow, for one. Um, oh, my goodness. Just get out of town. Yeah, like, totally. And if you don't think so, like you got to listen to that part remix. The Black Hippie remix to that part, that, that will tell you everything you need to know about Kendrick <laughs> Lamar right there. He's, he's just untouched. That flow is untouched. Yeah. The way he speaks about things and the fact that he was so willing to like basically commit career suicide with the pimple butterfly and the fact that it was accepted so well, like he did spoken word, like he did yeah. like poetry on for free. Like, right. I think I, I respect about all the artists that I like a lot now. So like the Kendrick Lamars, the schoolboy Qs, mm-hmm. the Tyler's, the Earl's, the Frank's, all those kind of people, the Isaiah Rashad's even like they don't, listen to what people they don't give the people what they want yeah i i don't like when an artist does that so like for example with i'll give a really easy example kanye so when he dropped yeezus in 2013 everyone hated it yeah like literally everyone hated it yeezus right now is like people are talking about it like oh it's ahead of its time it's this it's that and Kanye knew that when he dropped it, but we didn't know that because we are so short-sighted that we want to hear things that fit into whatever musical palette we like right now in whatever year. And like artists that don't that don't go for that, and artists that always try to come with something different and new and refreshing. Like Channel Orange and Blonde are two amazing albums. They're also both incredibly different right you know even though they, a they lot of this time period either exactly they don't have time not even a little bit of time period that's just kind of the thing for me it's just those people do what they want and they do what they want to the best of their ability like even even people who just do what they want regardless and like don't listen to what people make the the level of artistry and i don't know how to say it. it's just they know how to when they put time into a project, a piece of music, 
a music video, art, anything, you can tell. And that's, that's the biggest reason why I mess with those artists and why I've continued to mess with those artists. Those artists just, they know how to make music that lasts outside of the moment that that yeah. music is in. It's beyond the, the snapshot of that, that time. Exactly. Yeah. You mentioned Kanye with Yeezus. And what's interesting is I feel like everybody has hated every album of his since. Um, it, part of it, I mean, now it's just there's he is such a you know divisive figure in terms of politics as well. And but you mentioned on your outline, you know, he's somebody that you've been listening to lately. Yeah, um, I've been binging Kanye as of the last year ish. Yeah, what what's been driving that? I mean, just getting older and missing out on things that I didn't get to experience. Like, I knew when Good Life was out. Like, when I was a kid, Good Life was out, and it was going crazy. But, like, I didn't get to, like, experience that for my own self. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And, like, experiencing albums, like, I had never listened. I never listened. College Dropout. College Dropout, Late Registration, Graduation, 808s and Heartbreak, Yeezus. Only the first Kanye album I ever heard was The Life of Pablo. Oh, wow. When it dropped. Yeah. So from there, that was the point in which I started to discover new music. And I didn't even like The Life of Pablo when it dropped. But for me, it's top three Kanye. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Explain. Okay, so top three Kanye for me is Late Registration, Graduation, and the life of Pablo. Okay. And I, and I came to that decision like fairly recently, actually, because I, I was going through his discography and I looked, I just looked at, if you look at the track list for the life of Pablo, it's insane if you really think about it. Cause you have, you have, you start off with ultra light beam. Yeah. And then you go into father stretch my hands and then you have songs like famous. And then I love Kanye waves, FML. And then, <laughs> It just keeps going. Like, if you just read through the track list, you're like, whoa, this track list is actually really strong. Even though, like, most people don't even think about Life of Pablo being that good in terms of even top five, Kanye. But for me, it's it's top three. And I have a very very controversial top three because I don't have college dropout. Right. Or uh, my beautiful dark family. Fantasy. I said family. (laughs) I don't have either of those in there. Like I, that doesn't take away from what I think about either of those albums. But at the same time, I don't really think either of those albums do what those three albums do for me as yeah. well. Interesting. We we've talked before about Jay Z, mm-hmm. and recently you've kind of had a a uh, awakening. Jay-Z? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing with Kanye. So with Jay-Z, I kind of miss all of it. Like, I was only there for like... Well, a lot of it was there before you were born. <laughs> exactly. Like, mo- like, the crazy stuff that everyone talks about as being the greatest music you will ever hear is like, before I was even in America. Yeah. Like, before I was born type thing. And like, I knew Jay-Z from 
New York because that that song was huge when I was growing up. And like I watched him and Alicia Keys perform that live on every show, every TV show at 8 p.m. But Jay Z, it took 444, which in my eyes is a classic. I don't know what other people think, but I think it's a classic. It took that album for me to be like, okay, now let's go back and figure out why people think he's the greatest rapper of all time. And I honestly think he is the greatest rapper of all time. And I feel like I can make a pretty solid argument as to why. I, I think it's pretty hard to argue against. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I agree with you, too. <laughs> I mean, someone who has every Jay-Z album. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, top three Jay Z for what me. Do you think, yeah, for you, Black Album. Okay, All right, that's okay. And I would, even though it's not just Jay Z, but Watch the Throne mm-hmm. and probably uh, Kingdom Come. Wow. Yeah, show me what you got. It just, oh, yeah. I know, I know, like that's the hit, the hit song off that album, but. That song man, is different. That, that, man, song, that is song is sick. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I got to go Blueprint. Yeah, a Blueprint would probably be number four. Yeah, and then I um, got to go Black Album, just because you can't yeah. say the Black Album. I'm told. And then I, I want to say 444. Just because I like it that much, mm-hmm. but like also watch the throne. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's just amazing all the way down. Yeah, there's some. Yes. I mean, Otis is. Oh, Flash. Otis is so, so good. So, Flash. yeah. How has hip hop and you know rap impacted your life? What has it meant um, to you? It's kind of helped shape me into the person I am because it seems like, I don't know, what I like, I like, and what I don't like, I I really don't like. So I've never been, my music taste is kind of uniquely my own. I'm never, I've never liked something just because people thought it was popular or anything. Yeah. So for my rap, when I listen to rap music, I listen to what I want to listen to and nothing of what I don't. So when I'm listening, it's... I'm able to, I don't know, I just have feel like I have a deeper connection with the music. And rap music is, I don't know, it's so important to me. I've never been able, I've never been asked this question, so I've never been able, had to put it into words and verbalize how I feel about rap music. But it's beautiful because you can be... You can be just chilling and listening to just some random song and that song could have the craziest bars you've ever heard and the next one could be even crazier. And yeah. just like discovering discovering music that you've never heard before that's just so amazing. And I never get tired of hearing it. And there's so there's so much within rap music right now especially there's so many places that are popping off that are just that are just bringing amazing music and already on top of the amazing music that 
has dropped and that we've had so far, like, I feel like rap is in an even better place than it was 20 years ago. It's, it's like a, it's like a renaissance right now. Yeah. I feel like. I would agree. But also there's, there's so much rap music out now and so many new artists out now that I just do not like and do not want to hear. That like I feel like I'm forced often to go back and listen to like stuff that I was into. A lot of the reason why I still listen to 2014 Forest Hills Drive probably on a monthly basis, and like still a lot of the reason why I'm listening to To Pimp a Butterfly and Good Kid, Mad City, dude, and like old Kendrick Lamar leaks that I found when I was 14. Yeah, to this day, it's just something something about rap music just no other music is able to do because you can say a lot and not say anything but you can also say you can also say nothing and be saying everything at the same time and I don't know how to explain that without telling you to go listen to like a Jay-Z song or like a Nas song or something like that like you just have to you just have to listen and experience it for yourself in that manner for you to understand you just finished your first year of college. Yeah. Again, hip-hop is still a huge part of, of your life and, and even alternative as well. Uh, but something cool that you do, and I, I, don't, I don't have the ability to do, to do this given my, my job, uh, but you get to wait with friends on you know Thursday night and wait for the new releases. You stay up and you listen to and you get to experience it. What, what's it like to, to wait till like 1am to do that? It depends. Cause sometimes you wait for nothing. <laughs> um, cause, but sometimes, cause sometimes you don't know if somebody's going to drop something that has been unannounced. Exactly. Uzi, Lil Uzi Vert. When he's supposed to drop his album, my f- it was right around when people were leaving Calvin because of COVID. Yep. And they were going back home. And so it was supposed to drop that that night, that Thursday night. And my friend, who we we always listen, he's like the biggest Lil Uzi fan ever. Okay. Like he tweets at him all the time. Um, <laughs> he's, he, we were supposed to listen to it with him. But then so many people were on Spotify and Apple Music. The Apple Music and Spotify both crashed that night. Wow. So he had to he had to drop it at 8 a.m. But no one's going to be up on a f- whatever day that was at 8 yep. a.m. trying to hear a little Uzi album. And by then he was gone, so we didn't even get to listen to it. But it's so much fun being able to like just get done with all your homework at the end of the day. You look at your clock, it's like 11 o'clock, and you just call a couple friends up and just, hey, this is dropping tonight, or this, this, and this is dropping tonight. You want to hear it? And I think the biggest one, or my my favorite one from this year, was probably Revenge of the Dreamers 3 dropping. That one was, when that dropped, that was big. That was big. That was such a fun day. Hearing Costa Rica for the first time, hearing A Wild Swerve for the first time, Hearing all of those songs for the first time with my friends is just such a fun experience. And like Down Bad as well. Well, Down Bad was a single before, but Rembrandt, Run Back, Run It Back, that song as well was very 
just listening to music with my friends and just enjoying it at its most raw form, I guess. And yeah. like not really listening to it with the intent of like expecting something. I don't, I don't like listening to music expecting something because that's always been my worst music listening experience. <laughs> like you get disappointed. Yeah. You always get disappointed. Like why, why would you go into an album with expectations? Like I get it. Like there's, there's, they release promotional singles and snippets and X and Y just so you can have a taste, I guess. But at the same time, you don't want to go into an album expecting anything or else you're not going to, be able to take the album at full face value. Yeah. And taking an album in at full face value is really important to me. So sometimes I won't even listen to an album when it drops right away. Cause I'll be like, I don't really want to hear it right now. Cause like, I don't think I'm in mind space to like take in this oh, music. Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. So like pop smokes album, I'm a big pop smoke fan and his posthumous album just released. And I, I didn't even listen to it till like two days ago. Dang and it. it's been out for, I want to say two weekends now, yeah. two Fridays ago. And I didn't even listen to it till two days ago. And my <laughs> friends are like, oh, this album's great. I'm just like, I don't even want to listen to it right now. What is it about music that makes us listen to it? Why do we, why do we enjoy it? It's like, music is almost like a drug, but everyone's, everyone says that, but like, I don't know. Maybe the way I'm explaining it's going to be different. So, if you think about uh, drugs, it's like they affect you in a certain way, but they affect like your your inputs. So, like music is like your one of like your your brain's favorite inputs. Honestly, yeah, it's like your brain loves taking in music and like that auditory input. It's like an auditory drug, really, because like. Music often alters people's chemical, you know what I'm saying, in their brain. Yeah, yeah. Like, hormone imbalances a lot of times, like, music can be used as therapy sometimes right. in, in those cases. So, there's part of it that's, like, your brain loves music and, like, part of it is, like, I guess a scientific explanation. I think we listen to music a lot just because it's like having someone there when no one's there. Mm. It's like your buddy because yeah. you can you can choose you can choose what you want to listen to. It's it's kind of like I don't know. For me, growing up, I I walked a lot. So like when I was fourteen, I walked to work um, almost every day of the summer, and it was like an hour and a half walk. And, like, I'd have my music, and it'd almost be, like, a choose-your-own-adventure. Because, like, yeah. the music kind of almost determines how the walk is going to go. And, like, how you're feeling during the walk. Right. So, music is kind of, like, your adventure guide, or, like, sometimes your adventure picker. So, I think that's why we like music so much. Because it helps us through this adventure, which is life, I guess. Yeah. Okay, Prince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, David, this was awesome. Glad yeah, to, this is amazing. We got to do this. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. 
Each person interviewed has created a playlist to the various songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm, click on Soundtrack Playlist, and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at, at soundtrackpodcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack. Soundtrack.